working our way through Feast of Tabernacles, the great day, the eighth day that we are on today, and uh, ready to see where this finishes up. <laughs> where today. are we headed to? How do we get into it today? <laughs> so this is a Sukkot by any other name. Hmm. Historians guess that this city of Succoth, which is Sukkot in Egypt, was about three days' journey into the desert. Very little is known about it, but here's my guess for what it's worth, is that when Jacob was old and brought his family to join, join Joseph in Egypt, perhaps it's where they stopped and built sukkahs for the family and herds before moving on to Egypt. It had the same Hebrew name as the town he found near, uh, or founded or built near Peniel, where he stopped and built sukkahs. It makes sense that he would repeat the building and the naming. So that's just a theory. There's obviously no way we can know that. But so what did God say this tabernacle's feast was about? You shall dwell in booths, Sukkot, for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths, Sukkot, when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am Jehovah your God. So it seems possible that they are not supposed to live in Sukkot to remember the entire wilderness journey of 40 years, but specifically to remember the days directly after Passover when God caused them to retrace the very steps he used to bring them to Egypt when they were just Jacob and about 80 others. And to remember how God changed Jacob from a deceiver to a man with a limp who was miraculously saved from the brother he had deceived. His life really profoundly changed after the encounter he had with the wrestling angel or God. He seemed to lose his scheduling or scheming ways and develop giving ways. Very odd. Enough so that he wanted his descendants not to forget that journey. When Jacob died, Joseph made a trip back to the cave of Machpelah, which is called the Cave of Patriarchs in Hebron, that holds the bodies of four couples. Adam and Eve are said to be buried in the cave. Of course, you'll find Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Leah. They're all buried in Hebron because it's a big deal where you're buried. Not only did Joseph take his father's bones to Hebron, but... Then he made his kids promise to take his bones all 460 miles from Egypt to be buried in Shechem, where he had been sold into slavery by his brothers. It was a place his father Jacob had dug a well, where Abram had met with God and where Moses would speak blessings and curses over Israel. It's a place where God did so much. Graves were a big deal. And sure enough, as Moses led the Israelites out, they carried Joseph's bones with them and no doubt rested with them at Sukkot, oddly enough. In the end, a sukkah isn't about a flimsy shack. Exodus 29.45 says, I will dwell, or tabernacle, or sukkot, among the people of Israel and will be their God. See, we're all sukkahs right now. See, this world is our sukkah. We need to make sure our affections for it are flimsy because we have a better sukkah waiting that we celebrate on the Feast of Tabernacles and will forever. Dwelling is the word tabernacle, which means God will spread his tabernacle over us so that we may dwell in safety and security under its cover and protection. In the simplest of terms, Jesus came to the earth as a baby, lived with us, tabernacle, dwelt. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. When Jesus rose from the grave, he had a glorified body that could still be touched and could eat, but it could also pass through walls and defy the basic laws of physics. He stayed on earth in that body for 40 days and then ascended into heaven. Those 40 days are a picture of the Great Tribulation, as well as the millennium when Jesus will first fight and then reign on the earth. 
Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men among men, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. So a chiastic look gives you like kind of looking in a mirror. So let's take a chiastic look at Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, and Tabernacles. The week-long feast includes Passover the first day, followed by a seven-day Feast of Unleavened Bread the next day. Two significant days together at the beginning. Three days later, first fruits. The first and last days are Sabbaths. This was the first exodus, which occurred in Egypt and the desert. So there's a lot of death in that one. The week-long Feast of Tabernacles is kind of opposite, but similar. Two significant days in a row are at the end because it's viewed in a mirror. It's also seven days for the first and last as Sabbaths. Last day is the great day. You pack up, you go home, then come back together at the temple on the eighth day for the celebration. This is the second exodus, which occurs in eternity when death has been destroyed. And both those start, by the way, on the 15th of the month. Why, why all the celebrations at Tabernacles but fasting at Unleavened Bread? Well, we're celebrating from a place of faith that comes from knowing Jesus. If he came the first time, we can be confident that he'll come the second time. I think that's the message. If he proposed and gave us the ring, the Holy Spirit, he will come and bring us to the Father and marry us. So this Feast of Tabernacles, especially now today, this eighth day, is a wonderful day to celebrate the confidence we have in Jesus, this hope we have in Jesus, it's the day where we kind of just, I don't know, spend more time thinking mm. about the fact that one day all your battles will be fought forever, won, and there will be no more. Just you and Jesus. And that's a pretty good celebration. So the feast is here, the last day of it at least. You might have ignored the last seven days, but don't ignore this one. Celebrate it. And to celebrate is to celebrate Jesus. That's, I think, the most important part. Really, all of it comes together and reminds us that God is dwelling with us. Yes. I mean... It's mind-blowing. It, it, every time. <laughs> yeah, for me, <laughs> constantly, even when I think I may have come close to figuring it out, it'll all change pieces, and I'll look at it and go, oh my goodness, there's so much more. So There's always uh, more. I know people always say, why don't you write a book? I'm going, why? I'd have to update it at least <laughs> 27 times a year. <laughs> what, what craziness would that be about? And that's why the blog is a good place to go, because you can always find the latest teachings in addition to what has already been done, and, and this one will be up very soon at victory.radio.